right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Ethos Selfish Podcast with your host, here, Patrick Lonsberry, and my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. What's up, Lucas? How, how's it going, Patrick? I, you know, I personally am doing pretty well, ready for this Monday Night Football game tonight. Hopefully my Patriots take it home, um, because, you know, if the Patriots win tonight, that'll be uh, two teams from the Boston area on the up and up. Uh, uh, the Celtics seem to have potentially turned a corner here, you know? In the last few games and, you know, last month, I'll say, you know, they've been really building on some good habits. So I'm good, Patrick. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a nice little week in here. The Celtics had played three games here in the past uh, few days that we're going to be going over. We're going to be going over that Philadelphia matchup where it wasn't as exciting. It wasn't a, you know, sometimes wins aren't always pretty, but you take the wins, you know, because you've had losses that are also – like you play well, like the Utah game, and you're like, we played well enough to win that game. We just didn't win it. So I feel like the Philadelphia game is kind of like the ugly win that makes up for that. And then you had just uh, a beautiful, beautiful win that we, we just had the other night against um, uh, Portland. Wow, you know, space in that. But Portland Trailblazers, we ended up coasting to them. They didn't have a lot of their key players, but that you said you don't play down the competition. You, you go in there, you handle business, and the Celtics did more than that. They've looked really good on offense the last two games, Lucas. How do you feel about them? Oh, no. So the last two games, the offense really has, you know, grown into something that looks like, you know, we can count on it. Before, it was like there were stretches maybe of good offense, but not really games of good offense. Um, The last two games definitely would qualify as good games um, of offense. You know, Tatum's, you know, evidently his jumper is back. You know, he's playing more assertive to me. He's playing a little bit more aggressive, being more direct, um, and that's really helping. Um, you know, his – excuse me, his uh, his stats already, um, even after the last, like, three games, have already kind of leveled out. You know, his field goal percentage is above um, 40% now. His three-point percentage is climbing. So, you know, things are on the up and up. And also, I mean, we'll get to it, but my general thoughts are that I think some things that happened in the Portland game – Kind of a turning point for some young guys who, you know, we were clamoring clamoring for them to get minutes. Uh, it seems like that might have been a confidence booster game. And, I, you know, obviously I'm talking about Pritchard and Neesmith, but uh, we can get into that when we talk about Portland. But overall, man, I'm feeling really good after the last few games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the starters and – and the bigger players on the on the team, the guys who have bigger roles and everything, they kind of owed it to the bench at this point. You know, uh, I understand that being a young player in the league, you don't get a lot of opportunity, but being as talented as the Celtics are and how good this team could really be, they should have blown out a couple teams this year to the point where, like, these young guys could have gotten more reps and, and gotten to more rhythm. The more the Celtics are able to blow out and, and really expand leads on people, the more opportunity that's going to give to the younger guys in the roster to develop and the more that they develop is just going to overall benefit the team. So I think it was just kind of like a a good situation where they kind of owed them and the young guys took advantage in that Portland game, especially thought they looked really good. Um, They also looked pretty good in the Utah game. I know Neesmith had a little run in there and uh, we also had some injuries, you know, Romeo Langford going down has been tough on us. We, you know, Jalen Brown's, Injuries just seems to be lingering. Uh, we talked about how we wanted him to just not come back until he's 100%, and it looked like they still tried to rush him back sooner than he was ready. So, honestly, I I, I kind of don't want to see Jalen Brown for another two weeks. Um, not that I like don't want to see him on the court or anything like that, but I just, out of beneficial, I think he shouldn't be on the court for the next two weeks. Yeah, no, clearly. I mean, clearly his, you know, his hamstring is hampering him. Um, especially, you know, the later you get into the games, the more noticeable it kind of is. Um, you know, of course, you know, like you said, I would love to see Jalen out there, but I would rather see Jalen at full strength at a later date than just see him right now, you know, have him rush back. Um, because I think, you know, I mean, we've seen him. Tatum can carry the load offensively, um, you know, with guys like Jay Rich and Dennis now on the team who are capable of, you know, scoring in bursts. Obviously, Dennis a little bit more than Jay Rich. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you right there, Patrick. I think that Jalen should rest up, you know, however much longer he needs to before he should, you know, come back and, and try and power through the hamstring injury because that's only going to cause more problems long term. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can start with the Sixer game. I mean, like you mentioned, 
this was an ugly game, but I'm going to echo the sentiment of uh, our head coach, Ime Udoka, who said, I will not apologize for an ugly win. Because guess what? This counts as a win in the win column, um, even if it was an 88-87 uh, poorly shot, um, you know, high turnover game for the Celtics at least. Um, I'm not going to apologize for that. You know, win is the win, and it's good to see, you know, the Celtics persevere, you know, through some adversity because um, that's not something, you know, they've done all too well this year. Absolutely, and I think the Ime isn't going to apologize for that win. He definitely wasn't probably happy with how the offense executed, but I know the reason why he's not going to be upset is because defense. Defense was on point. They were bothering Embiid, like whole, like locking up Embiid throughout this game was just insane. I was just impressed with the group of effort that they had, just making sure. Every time Embiid touched the ball or anything, they were like, nope, we got to find a way to get it out of his hands, push him out of the paint, make him uncomfortable. Kind of just force the team around him to beat us and, and prove that the team around him wasn't good enough. And also, too, like, and his freedom was was playing really well. Like, he has been playing insane. Um, he's kind of been the Celtics, like, little silver lining lately, and it's, it's crazy because he all of a sudden can play defense. He's Getting rebounds, he's fighting. Like, Ime's turned Ennis Cantor into a middle ground defender, which is absolutely insane. So, yeah, so a couple things. So, I will say uh, about Embiid, you know, I remember on the pregame show or the show we did before the Sixer game, you know, I said, don't expect Al Horford to lock up Embiid. Embiid will most likely have a good game. You know, this is not the Embiid of, or the Al Horford of 2016. Well, you know, I was not necessarily wrong, but I was definitely not right. I mean, Embiid thought, shot 3 of 17 for 13 points. He was a minus 9. And no, it was not just Al Horford doing it himself. Uh, it was an entire team effort. There was one possession where Jalen worked his friggin' butt off to to front him in the post, to rotate. Like, he just worked so hard to make sure Embiid could not catch in the post. And I don't want that to go unnoticed. Um, So I just love that same uh, play, I just to build on that same play, I know exactly which one you're talking mm-hmm. about, the the brown one. But Dennis Schroeder did a good job of making sure he was behind and B2 so he couldn't throw the topper. So that's where the collective effort came in. I thought uh, they were very aware of wherever Joel Embiid was on the court, all the Celtics knew where he was. 100%. Um, so that was really impressive to see because, you know, I kind of expected Embiid to come in and, you know, kind of have his way. But he did anything but that, really. Um, I mean, yeah, he had 18 rebounds, but a guy like Embiid is always going to get his rebounds. Um, but only four of those were offensive. So, you know, I'm glad it wasn't like, you know, seven offensive, nine defensive. You know, we kind of kept him from killing us on the offensive glass. So that was good. However, though, when it comes to Ennis Freedom, though, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe he's playing some better defense than he has in the past. But, I mean, Shake Milton wasn't looking like, uh, you know, prime friggin' Stefan Marbury until, you know, Ennis Freedom was the one guarding him in the pick and roll. You know, Shake was six of eleven and that second and in that second quarter he really came in and was kind of absolutely dogging Ennis in the pick and roll, taking advantage of that matchup. So while yes, I do agree with you, it's so hard not to call him Cantor. Uh Freedom, um, you know, is definitely stepping up, I would say, on defense. <laughs> he still is a little bit scary in the pick and roll. Um I would love to see uh you know, those minutes go to pretty much anyone else. But at the end of the day, Patrick, I really cannot complain about it um, because if Ennis Freedom is getting minutes, you know, that means Rob and Al's minutes are getting, you know, dropped a little bit, which I think in the long run is a great thing. Uh, seeing that Al played 31 and Rob played 25, um, you know, I, I am appreciative of uh, their loads being managed um, per se, but it does still pain me to see that guy in pick and roll defense, man. No, I, I understand that. Um, what's what I, we also got some clarity on is why Wancho and Gomez doesn't play. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched him on the court, <laughs> and I was like, um, "Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, he's talking not, about bro. defense. Defense, like, oh, oh yeah, he was. Good. He had a rough stretch when he came into that uh, Portland game. I think it was where he yeah, had like a, he had like." two turnovers his first two possessions that's unacceptable 
Yeah. I mean, no, seriously. And then he was just terrible on defense, too. It's just – I mean, at, that's, that's what the Celtics have. At any level of basketball, man, if you're fighting for a rotation spot, your first two touches, whether you're in elementary or whatever level of basketball it is, if you're fighting for a spot to, in the rotation, bro, you cannot turn the ball over the first two times you touch it. You just need to, you need to make simpler and better plays. The very least you can do is protect the ball. Um, so, no, I don't think – it's not like Hernan Gomez or Fernando, Bruno Fernando, is going to be like an upgrade, let alone a significant upgrade over Freedom. So I know I probably sound a little bit whiny when I talk about not liking Freedom in the game um, because he's kind of, you know, the only option we have there in our third big. Um, so, you know, I totally get it, but uh, I would like his minutes. To, uh, yeah, I guess I just have to live with it at this point because it's not like he's been terrible. So I have to live with it right now. Lucas is having no, some technical issues. No, I could just hear some but, rattling going around on your end. I don't know. I just didn't want to. I don't know if you'd be able to hear me if I was talking. Oh no, no, you're good. I can hear you clearly. I don't. I don't hear anything. Oh, okay. Um, but but yeah, man. I think uh, Cantor's been good for this team. But uh, another guy that's been even better that kind of is helping address one of the weaker positions that we have at the power forward is Grant Williams. Man, Grant Williams is just. I I'm. I'm convinced that he took a, a, a leap. Like I, I, it's it's set in stone for me. In my mind, Grant Williams is a way better basketball player than he has been by a large mar- margin now, and it's been long enough into the season sample size wise for me to be confident enough to say that. And I think Grant Williams is a solid player and a key contributor to this team. Oh, I definitely think he's taken a leap from where he was at in the previous seasons. I mean, he's shooting the ball with more confidence than, like, I ever would have dreamed he would shoot the ball with. Um, I believe it was against Portland. He did a pump fake sidestep three-point shot that I just could not believe I was witnessing. I mean, it was unbelievable. No, Grant is just playing awesome. And also, that that weight that he shed that we've, you know, talked about, since like pretty much the summertime is really proven, you know, to be a big difference on the defensive end because he can actually kind of stay with some ball handlers now off the dribble. I'm not saying I want Grant guarding Devin Booker on every play. Obviously not. That's not what I'm saying, but he can actually hold his own. He's not just completely getting blown by every single time. Um, so no Grant, I agree, Patrick, he's made the leap from uh prospect to legitimate role player in my eyes. Um, and a damn good role player at, at that. He's almost at a fringe six man, right? Is he is he in that like tier almost where he's almost a fringe six? I mean, yeah. I think the interesting part about the the, the great part about Grant though is that you can plug him in the starting lineup. He could be your first guy off the bench. He could be the third guy off the bench. He could play in matchups. He's just a versatile player. Um, so I just think you know he's a role player that can fit into a lot of different roles, and I think that's really what makes Grant you know. Even more valuable, valuable. exactly, precisely. Exactly. No, and I I think that they they showed a lot of resilience, though, in that Philadelphia Mm -hmm. game, knowing that the offense wasn't being fluid and wasn't really sticking for them. They ended up finding ways to to come out with a win. And shout-outs to Robert Williams, who (laughs) ends up blocking the shot for the game winner. Like, he he's just remarkable, too, man. Celtics missed him. Every time he's not on the court, man, you you could tell that there's a little – little bit missing so having Robert Williams get back in out there and, and compete was was definitely satisfying yeah it was great to see him block that shot even if it was my guy George's Niang you know uh, we have a connection go way back we have the same trainer he went to school in New Hampshire so you know it was great to see him out there hooping but you know I am glad that Rob ended up blocking that shot and honestly I mean the game the, the game was close the entire time nobody really ever you know put the game you know in a place where it seemed out of reach um, it was just kind of a classic Celtics Philly game, um, the, albeit a little more, uh, a little uglier than usual. Um, but you know, I don't know about you, Patrick, but that last possession, where, uh, where you know they inbounded to Tobias, the second Tobias put the ball on the ground and started going towards half court away from the basket, I just knew the game was over. I mean, he, dribbling away from the hoop with that little amount of time left, I mean, it's almost impossible for you to get a good shot. And honestly, they managed to get a decent look, but, you know, 
it's not their fault we have one of the best jump shot blockers in the league. So I know it went down to the wire, but that last possession really I was not that worried, you know, when it when it was going down. Absolutely. And I I thought um Tatum was really good down the stretch too. He was just he was able to hit some tough shots. He had a big shot at that one fifty three marks. Ends up really kind of putting the Celtics in kind of control of that last few minutes. Um, Jalen, this is when Jalen re-aggravated that hamstring. This is the game, and and you saw it in his body language. You saw it the way he was walking and limping. It, it was just kind of rough out there for him and, and scary, and I was just like, man, come on, Jalen. You just got to rest for him, man. But ultimately, the Celtics were able to pull away with an 88-87 to 87 victory. Uh, we're getting these 2,000 scores this season from um, the Celtics, it seems like, because uh, – it's just like no, they're just playing good defense, and when they're not playing good offense, and they still have a chance. So that's that's why the defensive side of the ball is so important, and Ime stresses it is because nights like that, and that's why he wasn't upset with the victory because it's like it doesn't matter how bad you are on offense, if you are really good on defense consistently, you always have a chance. And you know that actions speak louder than words. That was a, a big game that they won with their defense. Yes, sir. And I, like Ime, will not apologize for that, you know. Um, and like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, yes, we got this ugly win. Um, and unfortunately, this next game was a beautiful loss. Um, you know, Patrick, it's funny. Out of these three games, um, if I was to tell you two encouraged me, um, one of them would not be a victory. And that would be this game against the Utah Jazz, um, where the Celtics ended up losing 137 to 130 in regulation. Um, so, you know, clearly the offenses were flying. Um, the Jazz hit a, a, a team record 27 three-pointers. They shot 27 of 51 uh, for 53%. And, uh, you know, Patrick and I can tell you it wasn't bad defense on these three-point shots. I mean, the Celtics were closing out. They were contesting shots. Um, just guys like Mike Conley, who went 7-7 seven to seven for three. Donovan Mitchell, who was 12 of 22 from the field. They were just making shots, man, and sometimes that's how it goes. They had a career, or a, I should say a team history best shooting night, and sometimes, you know, that's the type of story. Yeah, it was the most three-pointers the Celtics ever gave up in a game. It was it was a rough night from the perimeter. Um, Mike, I'm now referring Mike Conley as Mike Comley because he was super clutch in this game, and every time that the – Celtics were kind of rumbling back with like a little bit of like, oh, we're on like a 5-0 run. Mike Conley just would just come over and hit a three. And it was a super – he was always just ice in his veins, super calm about it. And I was just like, man, Mike Conley, I've never like been so upset at you before in my life. Like it was so aggravating watching him just torch the Celtics. Um, he went perfect, I believe, from from deep. He was insane. 7-7. Seven to seven to- seven to seven, yeah. And – just an incredible game by him. Uh, Neesmith also got some play in this game that I liked. Tatum was in his bag. Like, Tatum was operating. He had different various times where he just kind of, like, took over. And it was impressive because I thought that the Celtics were able to rest Tatum more than I thought they were going to be able to because they went into that fourth quarter and they had to keep them rested and the team was able to stay solid and they didn't give up any points or anything like that. That was super dramatic when Taylor was out and then he was able to get back in there and, and kind of finish this one home, but just wasn't enough against Utah, man. Utah was just, they were on fire. They were just, I, I did not expect this game to go away. Went. I was just watching. I was like, all right, somebody's going to start missing. It's probably going to be us because, you know, we're not the better offensive team. But every shot would go in. Another shot, go in. Another shot, go in. And Utah was making tough threes, I felt like. Donovan Mitchell was hucking up some crazy ones. And I was just like, man, this. Mitchell ended up really taking this one home for the Jazz. He went – I think he went bananas in that, like, last minute and a half. Yeah, I mean, no, their their backcourt. I mean, come on, that's really that's one of the best backcourts in the NBA. I mean, dude, Mike Conley has just been underrated for years and years and years because you know he didn't get maybe the accolades that you know a lot of other players close to his caliber you know would have because he was playing in the loaded West. And you know we are all you know 
familiar with what Spida is capable of. Um, and, you know, like you said, man, he really buried us down the stretch. I mean, the Celtics were in it in the last few minutes. It just it was two threes by Conley and a three-pointer by Mitchell that really just pushed it too far out of reach. Um, and, you know, 137, obviously, you know, your first thought is going to be, oh, well, the Celtics must have played terrible defense. You know, maybe they didn't play great, great elite defense, but they definitely played good defense in this game. Like, you know, we both said, um, we were closing out on threes, you know, contesting shots. And, you know, everybody who plays the, who's played the game of basketball knows some days you're going to make more shots than others. And this was a day where both teams were just, you know, making pretty much every shot. So, uh, Nothing really can do about that. I mean, I honestly was not upset at all with this loss, and I actually thought I gained uh, actually a, a little more belief in the Celtics after this game because of how good the offense looked, uh, you know, finally seeing what they're really capable of. Yeah, absolutely. And and just shout out Al Horford in that first half against Utah, man. He had 19 points. Al Horford. <laughs> he was yeah, – uh, Oh man, he was hot. He was going crazy from deep, man. He was just hitting everything. I was like, "Dad, we just uh, we just get uh, old Al Horford." And then, man, if you have time to go back in the second quarter at the one thirty six mark, go check out Marcus Smart putting a putback dunk on Rudy Gobert's head. (laughs) We, I was going bananas. I was like, "There's no way I just watched that. What what's going on right now?" But Marcus Smart literally just went jumped up and it reminded me of like an older uh putback dunk he had before but this one was really nasty uh that's got to be the best dunk in marcus smart's career i mean he put a defensive player of the year seven foot three huge wingspan rudy gobert on an absolute poster i mean like you said patrick i kind of lost it when he did that you know how much i love smart um and i honestly didn't know he had it like that man his head was pretty much at the rim I mean, Smart does things like that every once in a while that just athletically kind of uh, kind of blow you away. I mean, that was just glorious to see because, uh, you know, I'm, I always love a good Marcus Smart highlight. And, you know, rarely is a Marcus Smart highlight, uh, you know, him dunking on a seven-footer. So that was amazing to see. Um, but, you know, I would say not too many negatives to take from this game, honestly. I don't know about you, Patrick, but I don't have – I would say the biggest negative was Romeo hurting his ankle because Romeo was playing great in this game uh, before he got hurt. And, you know, as crazy as this might sound, I really think if Romeo had not gotten injured, uh, the game could have maybe, you know, ended a different way. Romeo's great too, man. He had these two back-to-back possessions where he he just beat his guy off the dribble baseline. He had some athletic finishes at the rim. Uh, Man, Romeo Langford is... I just it sucks for his damn injury history, man. Like the man just can't stay healthy for the life of him. He needs some milk. He needs some milk, man. <laughs> get get Romeo something, man. He needs some supplements just to keep him healthy. But no, um, that was probably the big down point. Barry Bonds. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and then you got um, this was a game that we talked about where Grant Williams hit that that step back three. He oh, hit that in this God. game. Uh, that was a great moment. The ball fake step uh, back. I, was, I mean, dude, that was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, you seriously, it, if somebody sh- went back in time and showed any of us Celtics fans, you know, that a clip of that, like uh, uh, one year ago today, I would have been like, no, you just, that's a simulation. That's 2K. That's not real. I mean, he can't do that. But Grant, man, I mean, he's really just, I, I don't think I can, I can shower him with enough praise because he's been. He's been arguably our most consistent player. I mean, we, he might lose out, out to Horford in that one, but he has been one of our most consistent players regardless um, of everything else that's gone on. So I, I just got to shout out Grant, man. He really deserves uh, a lot of praise, um, even in this losing. Yeah, I think, too, like I think our Horford's mentorship for Grant Williams might be really crucial in what Grant Williams is able to to get better at because he's looking at Al Horford and, and he gets to study Al Horford and Al Horford gets to be in his ear all the time. And that's his guy now. Like that's, that's his teammate. Somebody he, he can really talk to him and, and instruct him on how to be in position and be a better basketball player. That's why guys like Al Horford are more valuable than just what they do on a court because they can affect players also who are on the court and their traits can trickle along. 
and that's how these players end up developing in different ways. And I think Grant Williams has been taking advantage of, of having Al Horford back. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think that rubs off on more players than just Grant. Even like um, Ime said today or yesterday that um, he's never seen somebody Jason Tatum's age take care of his body um, as well as he has. And I distinctly remember Jason Tatum. Um, I believe in his rookie year, talk about how much Horford helped him with that. Um, so, you know, like you're saying, it's a lot more things than just on court that bringing Al Horford back into the mix um, is for, you know, positives for the Celtics. So uh, I just honestly, I can't believe, you know, there were people in the moment who thought the Celtics might have lost that trade, the Kemba for Horford trade. I mean, now that seems like it was a grand slam, like a, a double grand slam, even if you will. Yeah, I mean the Knicks don't even have Kemba in, the, in his. That makes me sad, man. Rotation. No, it makes, uh, makes me sad, man. I'm a diehard UConn fan, man. I'm rooting for Kemba to get into the rotation, but uh, man, it is it's a bummer to see. But you know, I'm glad Brad just pulled the trigger so quickly. You know, trading him to OKC because that was clearly the right move. Uh, you know, to get Al back in the building and to get Kemba off the book. So you know, as sad as it is to see, I mean, it's a businessman, and Brad definitely made the correct business decision. Um, but I don't know. Just seeing Horford, man, succeed and play the way he has, it, it has really been amazing. Yeah, I've loved it, every minute of it. And another guy that I'm going to shine a little light on here in this Utah game, my boy Neesmith, man. My boy Neesmith, let's go. He came into this game, immediately grabbed an offensive rebound, and drew a foul. Like, instantly was making a positive impact. I love to see that. Um, and I thought of you right when he came in. Because I'm like, I know Patrick's loving this right now. He doesn't even need to make a shot or do anything, you know. It's the little things, man. It's it's. I want him to play, do the little things in control. And I felt he played with a lot of control, and he did all the little things. He was fighting for rebounds. He was diving for loose balls. He was he was being aggressive. He played good defense. Like he's he's solid, man. He's solid tonight, and or on that Utah night. And I I thought it transitioned over into the Portland game as well. Oh, totally. So, yeah, we can get to the Portland game. I mean, I think – I mean, this – our offense was just absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, we obviously scored – it was 145 to 117. Um, and that's in just four quarters, obviously, you know. There's no overtime in a score like that. But still, 145 points in regulation. Uh, that's in the top five scoring games of all time in Celtics history. Um, the Celtics shot – if you can believe this, 21 of 37 from three, that's almost 60%. I mean, Tatum was in his bag. Tatum and Schroeder both had 31. Um, I mean, the offense was just absolutely on another level this game. Um, Patrick, I'll just let you take it away. Headband Celtics precisely yeah. down in the chat. We need the Celtics <laughs> to wear headbands every single game. That's literally what I was going to go into. I was like, man, I had that first note about the Portland game. I was like, the whole team wearing headbands in the starting five. Tatum and needs then to I keep his upside down. <laughs> he needs to keep it upside then, down. I love it from Tatum. Yes, and then I like, and then I like looked at the bench, and I'm like, wait, the bench guys got the headbands on too. Like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, what is this? Ime was asked about it, um, <laughs> about the headbands thing. He's like, doesn't know, doesn't care. He is so disinterested in it. He was like, I don't, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. But the headband thing was kind of wild. Um, some things that I, I actually have a negative note to start out this this Portland game. I wasn't happy with it. It made me. I was a little heated about it um, right off the get go. But Robert Williams getting two fouls in, a, in the first minute and thirty six seconds, like. What like what are we doing here? Like you know, I I know in the grand scheme of things, like of this game, it didn't really matter. But like, good habits and bad like if you're gonna play bad teams, that's still you gotta stick to those good habits. He's been a guy that we've all know that in the past he's had foul trouble issues and getting two fouls in the first minute and thirty six of a game, we're not even two minutes in, he got two fouls. Like, ah, uh, it's it was frustrating to see that um, from him, especially with no Al Horford on a back to back. No, no Al Horford, two fouls in the first 30 seconds of the game. You know what that means, Patrick. And it's freedom. We'll see a whole lot of freedom, and you know how that makes me feel. So obviously I'm right there with you. Uh, that was frustrating to see, but I think, you know, he may pull them right away. I think that was the right choice, though. I mean, I don't think you could really risk leaving him in there. Um, and, you know, Rob ended up, you know, being able to play enough minutes down the stretch to where – 
you know, it didn't come back and bite us, obviously, you know, us winning by about 30 points. Um, but yeah, besides that, Patrick, I, there was probably not going to be too many other negatives from you, huh? Um, I don't think there's much negatives uh, outside of that, really. Um, a lot of positives in this game. Offense was clicking. And it just seems like they didn't skip a beat when it came to them playing Utah. Like They were like, all right, we were making all the shots. Let's continue making all the shots the next game. And they shot 56% from deep this game. They went 21 of 37. So damn near the same amount that they did against Utah. Like, so, I mean, if anything in that, in these two games, you're like, if we're shooting that well, we probably should be shooting more threes. <laughs> um, but no, uh, it's crazy. Dennis Schroeder was amazing in this game on offense. He had 31 points, was 10 of 16 from the field, five of seven from deep, played 32 minutes. Um, overall, great game from him. And, you know, he played really well. Robert Williams only ended up playing 21 minutes because of the foul trouble, but they they really didn't need him. He had five fouls though, 21 minutes. Jesus, man, it just makes me angry watch looking at this stuff. Yeah, no, the fouls. I mean, that's definitely not good. Um, but you know, outside of that, I mean, he only played 21 minutes, which is, you know, that is obviously annoying. Um, you know, we would have liked to see the floor more, but honestly, at the end of the day, that just means Rob got a little more rest than usual. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I like it, but obviously Patrick, there's one, uh, there's one story in this game that stands out more than all the others. And I already know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and it was that the end of the fourth quarter, the last half of the fourth quarter where our two guys who, you know, have been a very hot topic of conversation for us, Patrick, you know, week to week, Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. Um, I mean, first of all, Neesmith was three of four from three. Um, he seemed like he was really keen on taking the correct shots, the correct three-pointers, you know, coming off the screen, off of movement. He wasn't kind of, you know, taking an awkward dribble or, you know, shooting out of rhythm. He was shooting in rhythm. And you can tell. I mean, Patrick, I don't know about you, but for me, it's very easy to tell when Neesmith is shooting in rhythm or out of rhythm. Because when he shoots in rhythm, you feel like every single jumper is going in. But when he shoots out of rhythm, it kind of feels like it doesn't have a chance. Uh, so it, it's a pretty obvious thing for me to see. And it felt like he was shooting in rhythm this game. And, um, you know, he was flying around there on offensive defense. And this was a very, very, very good, good Neesmith game. Yeah, he was very in rhythm this game. He even had that heat check shot that I thought was going to go in that barely crazy. came out. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he was he was definitely in his bag. He was feeling himself. So was uh, Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard was electric tonight. Um, I was going to save it for the vet box, but I, I will I will go into it since we are on this topic with Pritchard. And um, what did you think of Ime apologizing because of Peyton Pritchard shooting at the end of the game? No, I mean, listen, we we did uh we do have to mention this is the team that Ime Udoka played for, and then also I believe he started his coaching career in Portland. Um, and that's also his and it's hometown. his hometown. He's, he's from Oregon, so he's going to want to treat this game, you know, obviously with a certain amount of respect. And that is something which I I respect Ime for saying that, right? I don't think it's something we should look too deep into, though, because I know you saw Ime on the bench trying to contain his smile and his laughter uh, when Pritchard was getting those back to back to back shots off those offensive rebounds. Um, and honestly, I don't think. I don't think Pritchard did anything really out of line, you know, as far as NBA etiquette. Like, oh, what are we going to take with nine shot clock violations in a row to end the game? Like, no, you have to shoot. And, you know, sorry we were making our three-pointers. That's actually precisely what Peyton said. He said, when they asked him about it, he said, you know, sorry, we were shooting and we were making our shots. So, uh, you know, I don't know what else you want me to say. So I just think, you know, I understand why Ime said that. Obviously, um, you know, that being his hometown, he played there, he coached there. So, you know, I, I respect him saying that. Um, however, Pritchard, wow. I mean, the shooting display he put on, obviously he missed a few in a row there at the end, but he was back to his old self, his confidence, you know, his rhythm. And I really think that this game is going to make a big difference as far as, you know, how confidently Neesmith and Pritchard are able to make um, an impact on the game, you know, in 10 to 12 minutes um, because they were just playing so freely out there. If they can watch that on tape, if Ime can tell them, you know, you got to corral that type of energy for when, you know, you're playing 10 minutes against the Lakers as opposed to 20 against the 
dameless Blazers. Uh, I really think this can, you know, kind of be a turning point for those guys. I, I really, really do. And you know how harsh I've kind of been on Neesmith and PP. So I don't think I'm just saying that. I really do. I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a turning point. I'm not saying, you know, they're starters now or anything. But I just think confidence-wise, um, you know, they'll be able to uh, – not below leads anymore in those fourth quarters where we really needed them to kind of come in and close out games. Um, they actually came in. They, they played very well. Peyton Pritchard was good. Um, as far as the email incident where he's like, I apologize. I'm just going to hop in the, in, in the vent box real quick on it. And, and I simply just want to say this, the hidden rules, the old school ways. I don't care about them. I don't. You're there. You got to play defense. He's there. He's trying to play offense. Goal is, you know, the mindset's always been the score zero zero no matter what. You play like the score zero zero no matter what, then you're trying to execute. You're trying to get better in every possession. I hate dribbling out the 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 shot for the clock, shot clock violation, taking a turnover. You know, like that's that's so dumb to me. I I just have never understood it. My thing is like, there's still time left. It's your if you really want to stop me, then stop me legit. Like, don't mm-hmm. let me just sit here and dribble out the clock. I'm just not a big fan of the old head rules of like, hey, you know, this is how the game's supposed to be played, blah, 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 blah. Man, forget all that. Like, just let them have fun. They were having fun. Let them shoot it away. The fact that he told them to not shoot that last one, I was just like, man, Pritchett, no. I would have still shot that. So, like, I can understand on, like, the last possession of the game, dribbling out the clock. But, like, there's three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for example, say there's 30 seconds left and the Celtics have the ball, uh, you know, Okay, yes, I'm fine dribbling out the clock, giving them the ball back with five seconds left, and then they just chuck a shot up. Yeah, whatever. But if there's like three minutes, two and a half minutes left, like, do you ex- expect us to take turnovers the whole game? No, not at all. I do think, I think it's hilarious. You know, the Celtics bench reaction, you know, it was bordering on disrespectful. I mean, listen, if we were on the other end of that, Patrick. I mean, I feel like, you know, it would be easy to feel some type of way about the guys lying down on the ground, falling into each other's arms. Listen, I loved it, obviously. I mean, I was going nuts myself in my own home. Um, but I can understand why Ime kind of was like, yeah, don't shoot that, don't shoot that. You know, let's just calm down a little bit. But I'm going to quote Bill Belichick here. Um, that's not just because the, the Patriots are playing. Um, one time they asked Bill Belichick about running up the score. And he said, when did it become the offense's job to, you know, help the defense prevent them from scoring? When, when did that become the offense's job? Why is that on the offense all of a sudden to help you stop scoring? Like, no, listen, if you can't stop us, sorry, you can't stop us. And I know Chauncey was a little salty in the press conference, but, uh, you know, hey, you know, sometimes like Peyton said, you're making your shots. And what are you going to do? Take seven turnovers to end the game? No. So I'm with you on the old head rules for the most part. I think, you know, it's not it's not as disrespectful as people like to make it. Um, they're just mad that they're losing usually is what it comes down to, um, which is, you know, understandable. But uh, at the end of the day, no, it's not something serious. And I believe me, Ime wanted to laugh and celebrate as much as the rest of the guys on the bench did. He just, you know, has to maintain a professional air about him. And, you know, I think that's good. Yeah, and then also, too, is like Peyton Pritchard is – that's his, he went to college at Oregon. He's, you know, I'm sure he had a lot of friends that were at that game and stuff. That's why I was like, man, just let, like, let him go. Let him loose. Let him have his fun. Like, he doesn't get to play a lot. And it happened to be the time that he had the opportunity to get a lot of playing time was in his home, Bro, you know, exactly. state where he got to play college exactly. at. So just let, let, it, let all the guys just kind of have fun. Let them shoot it up. It, it's a no harm, no foul, man, at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, just play better defense. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you play better defense, you rebound. Like for example, like I don't, I don't get why it's uh the Celtics' fault that you know the Blazers stopped rebounding on that last possession. Just because you stopped playing because you're down by thirty, you know, I don't know. But you know, I don't. I, we've already we've covered that topic specifically. But I just want right. to get back to you know, like seriously, I'm hard on those two guys, those two young guys, because they just haven't been good enough to see the floor. But if they can just channel a little bit of that freedom, because listen, you can't be scared to make a mistake when you're in the game. You know, you have to play like ready to make a play whenever you get the ball. And, uh, you know, I feel like they've been playing tentative, 
you know, both of them, I don't think I can single out either one. They've both been playing kind of tentative um, when they get to the court. So if they can channel some of that freedom, I think that's going to go a long way to, you know, increasing, you know, the depth of the Celtics bench. And um, there goes Damian Harris. Speaking of freedom, 15 rebounds from Ennis Freedom, nine points. Not not a bad night. Not a bad night from him. But also the most encouraging part about this game as I look at the box score is looking at Jason Tatum and seeing 31 minutes and had 31 points. Like that is super encouraging. Four or six from deep. Just been playing absolutely stunning. Uh, as much as we give him a hard time for when he's struggling, we got to praise him when he's doing good. That's how it goes, man. It's a two, it's a double-edged sword when you're a superstar. And the big thing from Tatum, I've, I've noticed lately as he's getting back into his rhythm, is that they've actually been calling fouls. Like he's, those aren't counting as misses anymore. And he's getting more points from the free throw line, and he's getting in more rhythm, and his shots starting to fall because he's getting freebies at the line. It's crazy how that works. But um, Tatum is definitely getting the calls now. He's playing great. 10 rebounds, 31 points, was overall just a bucket tonight He or in, in that uh, Portland game. And he's been playing really good on offense and turning a new leaf. Um, hopefully it's not just because Jalen Brown's out because that kind of has been a little bit of a trend. And I hope that they can both play at a high level again together soon as, you know, Jalen Brown tries to come back from that injury. Yeah, I'm confident that they can. Um, you know, I, I don't really have any doubts about that. Yes, 31 points in this Portland game, 17 shots. Boy, that is something you absolutely love to see. Um, somebody said down in the comments about his rebounds per game. Um, Tatum had 16 rebounds, I want to say, in the Jazz game, was it? Am I, am I, am I, no, no, no. I think it was 13 or something. Oh, he had six in the Jazz game. Where did he have? I swear Tatum. Oh, that was the, the, the Sixer game, maybe. Yeah, it was actually good. Yeah, sixteen like records. I mean, you know that when, when Tatum hits the glass, like, and you know, I know Rob made a joke about it. He said that he feels like Tatum is stealing his rebounds when Rob is doing all the boxing out. And ever since I read that quote, um, I've been watching, and that is exactly what's happening. Um, Rob is really busting his butt to box out, which you know I love to see because I try not to be an old head, but you know, you got to put a body on a man box out when the shot goes up. Um, Rob has been doing a great job of that, so I got to give him props. But Tatum is just, you know, with his length, man, he can get a lot of rebounds that a lot of uh, a lot of other people can't. So, you know, he's getting in there, crashing the glass. Just seems like he's really coming into his own. And honestly, we were never worried about him, man. I mean, come on, he's Jason Tatum. He's the top fifteen player in the NBA, and uh, you know, we love to see it. Yeah, man, Jason Tatum's back. Celtics are playing well. They're really turning a new leaf here. I think the offense is is starting to click and going in the correct direction. They need to see um, the younger guys are starting to get into some rhythm. Love that. Um, we just need, honestly, health has been the big issue. We've had Dennis Schroeder have a foot injury uh, that ha- was a little hindering him, made him miss a game or two, and then he came back. Yeah, Richardson, who came back and then gets hurt. And then now you got Robert Williams in and out of the lineup. Jalen Brown's in and out of the lineup. Horford not playing on back-to-backs because of, you know, some tightness and in, in the close big game against Utah took a lot out of him. So, overall, this, this team just right now is gaining momentum and also just building on all these good habits that they've been able to get and getting healthy. Like, once that – all these start to click, this team really – can be special. Like this team is really good when everything's clicking. It's just now we got to do it consistently. Got to lock in. Also, Marcus Smart. We didn't even mention enough in this besides his dunk, but he's been absolutely fantastic, man. He's been good on offense. He's been efficient on offense, and he's been really good on defense. Like his defense has been beyond wonders this year. Like he's he's trying to get back into that first second team of defense nominee. Yeah, and um, he absolutely has been terrific as our point guard. Um, you know, his ability to attack the paint and make the right reads. And in a, it, he's just making higher and higher level reads every single game, it seems like. You know, he had a couple phenomenal passes um, against the Blazers, a couple great passes against the Jazz that are real point guard, starting point guard level reads and passes. Um, you know, a lot of people clamoring for the – 
you know, Celtics to make a trade or, you know, to figure out their point guard position. Um, I just think we had to give Smart a little bit of time to grow into that role. You know, it's not something he'd ever done before in the NBA. Um, you know, he usually played at the two. And now that he's playing significant minutes at the ones, I think he's really, you know, growing into the role quite well, actually. And like you said, his defense, amazing. I don't want Marcus, um, you know, to think he's being underappreciated, at least by me or by us. Um, because, you know, it seems like a lot of Celtics fans do take what he does for granted. Um, and then they single out things like maybe some, you know, couple boneheaded plays he makes, but, you know, they like to ignore all the good things he does. So, no, Marcus, come on, he's been unbelievable. Um, and we can only hope to just keep getting as good play from him as we have the last. Nope. Yeah, That's absolutely. We're, we're, we're just hoping. What was that? No, this isn't really about Marcus, but you were mentioning, you know, you feel great about the team. Um, I mean, they're top 10 in net rating. Okay, they're 10th in, ra- in net rating. They have gone up to ninth in uh, defensive rating. And, you know, they are 16th in offensive rating, which is a jump from, you know, where they were a few weeks ago. I mean, they're ahead of the Denver Nuggets in offensive rating, who are a good offensive team. You know, they are really around uh, the same, you know, range as the as the Bucks And even the Nets, they're within a couple points of those teams. So, you know, the overall team numbers are definitely looking much, much better. So I also... And that's even with that slow exactly. start. I, no, I'm hopeful. I'm as hopeful as I've been about the Celtics all year um, right now, even coming off, you know, a two two and one so far, you know, where we didn't even go three and oh the last three games. But still, like I said, that loss against the Jazz, man, that didn't make me feel bad or worse about the team at all. It actually somehow made me feel even. Yeah, no, this this three game stretch really uh, opened my eyes to a lot more of what this team is capable and the. It's just incredible. It's it really is incredible um, how well this team has been able to adapt and change and develop so quickly. I'm um, I mean we did say you know fifteen twenty game sample size and here we are you know past that point now and the team that everybody was panicking about in the first five games seven games is a completely different team now than what everyone had thought. And now you got the Celtics here who are just climbing climbing the ladder throughout the conference here. They're trying to make up some of these wins and stuff. But they, they haven't been as bad as people really think. Like, everyone's wondering, like, hey, you know, for a slow start, Celtics are three and a half games back from number one record in the East. Like, the Nets have literally won less than four more games more. Like, that's how that's how big the gap is, like, or how small it is. Like, the Celtics team is, is climbing. I mean, Wizards are coming down to earth now. They're – 14 and 10 in the fifth in the East. And I think they're going to continue to drop because, you know, some things, some teams just start off hot, man. Knicks have been struggling as well. Toronto's starting to struggle. Um, but the Celtics are in the right direction. They have a, a really good team that's been able to keep up with a lot of the bigger teams. I thought we did well against these contending teams like Philadelphia in their division, Utah, who's a big team. Portland's not as good as what they used to be, and they did have a lot of injuries. No Damian Lillard, and I understand that. Um, they did have CJ, but um, yeah, man, I, I thought that the Celtics are on the right path, and for as bad as we started, man, we're in a good position to finish the year off strong. Oh, totally. And, um, you know, come on, everybody likes to crack jokes on the Celtics already. Even when we're doing well, you know, the Celtics, you know, people love to hate on the Celtics. I mean, that's no secret, you know around the league. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I feel the same way, man. I seriously feel like, you know, we never were as bad as people thought. It's the first 10, 15 games of the year. Don't overreact. And, you know, we've seen a lot, a lot of positive things, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And also I just want to do a little tidbit on smart um, smart right now. The Celtics are 7.9 points better when smart is on the court than when he is not. Um, and that is absolutely the highest of his career, that 7.9. Uh, his previous high was 5.3 all the way back in this rookie year. Uh, so, you know, it's just clear how much, you know, Smart is really making an impact uh, on the overall team. And also, no, Patrick, I will not do the script reading today. That is all you, my brother. <laughs> you know, it's also smart, though, guys. You guys can head over on to manscape.com and go ahead and get your 20% off by using the promo code of HOOPBALL20 to get that discount on any product that Manscaped offers. Go ahead and get yourself some trimmers and everything like that. Get yourself nice and cut up for the holiday season. We know Thanksgiving's past, 
but now we're already ahead of the Christmas. Christmas is going to be here before you note it, notice. And then that's also a good holiday gift. Get your, um, your dad or your mom or anybody, um, your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, everybody available. Go ahead and get them uh, a lawnmower 3000 from manscaped.com for 20% off. All they got to do is hit hoopball 20 to get that. Yes, sir. Go on ahead and check it out. And uh, Patrick, anything else from you tonight? Uh, man, no, I think I'm going uh, to free you, Lucas. I think you, you're ready to go and sit down and watch that uh, Patriots game and and enjoy that. And then we got the Lakers on Tuesday, tomorrow, correct? Yes, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, get the Lakers. Hopefully uh, Jason Tatum shows out like he always does when he's in L.A. So we all appreciate everybody for coming in here on the green room. You can remember you guys can follow the show at Ethos Celtics on Twitter. You can also follow me at Ball and Opinions. You can follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer as well. Make sure you guys go ahead and stream the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We appreciate any likes and reviews, five-star ratings. Leave a comment. Leave something funny for us. Leave questions. Hit us up on the DMs whenever you guys need to, to get your feet off or rant about the Celtics or anything like that. We're here for you. And it, that was nice talking with everybody. Lucas, I'm out, man. I hope you enjoy the football game. Go Patriots. Yes, always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. And like Patrick said, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, everybody. All right, and hopefully we'll be returning to you after a Celtics victory in the Crypto.com arena versus the Lakers on Tuesday night. <laughs> you got to throw that in there. All right, guys. <laughs>